Hey, good morning, and uh, welcome to Mornings with Mac. I'm glad to be back. We've got major technical difficulties this morning, and uh, my director uh, doesn't know any more about this stuff than I do. So this is not live. It's live for me. I'm doing it right now, but it's not live when you're going to uh, be watching this. We're going to try to work on it today. I think the problem is on the Facebook side and not on our side. Now, let me, let me just share with you what I'm doing in these mornings. Number one, I'm through the time of uh, this lock-in, uh, this isolation, this coronavirus quarantine, what I'm wanting to do is just to be an encouragement to you. Maybe you get up this morning and you just need a little encouragement, so I'm going to take you right to the Word. And what I'm doing with the Word is this. I am simply sharing with you what I do when I work through a passage. I have a piece of paper. I do it the old-fashioned way. I have a legal pad, and I just start writing myself notes when I work through a passage. And uh, that's what I'm sharing with you. No, this no in-depth study, just thoughts as I'm working through whatever passage I happen to be on. And I, I hope out of this, you are going to begin to develop a devotional life if you've never had one. If you've had one, what I'm hoping to do is uh, to encourage you in that devotional life and to give you some tips of some things to do along, uh, along the way every day when you have your devotional. You need to have a place that you go to consistently. Uh, go back to the same place. So if you're watching this, I'm going to guess that's probably where you do your devotions. Uh, go back there, have a pen ready, have a notebook ready. When I'm working through these Psalms, this is what I'm using right here. I'm just jotting down these ideas, which is going to lead me to the next thing. What are we going to do? I think for the next two weeks, uh, I'm going to look with you uh, at what we call the Psalms of Lament. Uh, now, we looked at the Psalms of Ascent, so I'm going to look now at the, at the Psalms of Lament. Psalm in the Hebrew literally means a poem put to music. And uh, the book of Psalms, uh, what we call the, uh, the book of Psalms, uh, the Hebrews call the uh, Sefer uh, Tehillim, uh, the Sefer Tehillim, which means the book of praise songs. And uh, there are a lot of different types of psalms. Uh, as you're going to see, the Psalm of Lament. Now, Lament meant uh, to bewail, to moan, to cry, to grieve. It was, um, it was the expression of a soul that was downcast. And I'm going to, there are nine psalms that we're going to look at. Uh, let me give them to you. They're divided into two parts. There are more psalms of lament than just these nine, but these are the nine that I'm going to look at. Uh, let me give them to you. And they're divided into two parts. One is individual psalms of lament, and then you have community or national psalms of lament. Uh, here they are. Uh, psalm 3, which we're going to look at this morning. Psalm 7, we'll look at that tomorrow. 13, 17, 26. Those are all individual psalms of lament. Then you come to the community where this is the nation singing this. It is Psalm 12, 44, 60, and 74. Those are nine psalms. That'll get us through the next two weeks. 
and you'll hear some lament. And I'm going to begin this morning with the third psalm. Now, uh, the first psalm is, uh, Psalm 1, is kind of a doxology. Each of the five books of psalms begins, the first psalm will be a type of doxology. The second psalm is very messianic. If you read that, what you discover is uh, the psalmist there is really talking about the Messiah uh, that is to come. You start with Psalm 3. It's the first psalm that has a title. If you're looking at it, it says a psalm of David, and then it tells you when it took place. There are 14 psalms that are linked uh, to historical events in the life of David. This is the first one. The event that it is linked to is um, when Absalom, his son, came in rebellion to take the throne to take over, to betray his father, and to take over the throne of David. Um, that's the historical setting of this. So uh, we're going to go back to first uh, to Second Samuel chapter fifteen and sixteen, and let me just kind of catch you up to the event uh, that leads up to this psalm. I, I rather think David wrote this when he was fleeing Jerusalem, uh, probably that first night. That they, that they get away, they have fled, they've put some distance between them and um, Absalom and the army of Israel. Uh, they put the distance between them. He lies down that night and he rolls over and he begins to write. Uh, he has some writing implements there, some parchment or vellum, and, and he begins to write this psalm. And this is what he writes just before he goes to sleep that night. So that'll kind of begin to give you some background uh, about the psalm. So let me, let me do that. Let me take you back to, Psalm, uh, to, first, uh, to 2 Samuel chapter 15. 2 Samuel chapter 15, and in verse 13, you read these words. Then a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. Now, everybody is defecting over to Absalom. And um, David is going to have to flee the city. He tells everybody, he says to all of his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, arise, this is verse 14 of chapter 15, 2 Samuel, arise and let us flee, for otherwise no one of us will escape from Absalom. Go in haste, or he will overtake us quickly, and bring down calamity on us, and strike the city with the edge of the sword." So he is in a panic. They're in a rush. Get out. Grab what you can grab. Let's get out of here as fast as we can get out. So they make their way out. And then there's a description in the same chapter, 2 Samuel 15, verse 30, of David as he goes out. Listen to this. These are some of my favorite passages. I love the life of David. And um, this is one of the saddest scenes if you if you. Th Think of this as you read it. Picture this in your mind. I've been to Israel over the last 40 years, probably 20 some odd different times. And I have, I always think of this when I cross over the Kidron, coming from the city, going over to the Mount of Olives, going down into the Valley of the Kidron, and then back up the other side into the 
Mount of Olives. I, I think about this of David fleeing that night. I think about that because it so reminds me of Christ leaving the upper room, going down across the Kidron, up into the Garden of Gethsemane, um, there at the Mount of Olives. David uh, is fleeing now, and listen to what the passage says. David went up from the ascent of the Mount of Olives and went as he went, and his head was covered, and uh, he walked barefoot. Then all the people who were with him each covered his head and went up weeping as they went. And someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. Now let me just tell you who Ahithophel was. He was one of David's closest friends. Um, and um, David had great confidence in Ahithophel. The Bible says that the counsel of Ahithophel was as if one had inquired of the Lord. Um, that's how wise his counsel was. There are two Psalms that are related somewhat. We believe that the, this reference is a reference to Ahithophel. Uh, one you'll find in Psalm 41, um, where David is talking about um, looking at those who had turned on him. He says, as for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Hear my soul, for I've sinned against you, but now my enemies speak evil against me. Verse 7, all who hate me whisper together against me. Now, this, this is going to tie in to Psalm 3, so I'm not chasing a rabbit here. You'll all fit this together. Verse 7 says, all who hate me whisper against me. Verse 8, a wicked thing is poured out upon him that when he lies down, he will not rise up. That's what they're saying. Maybe when he lies down, he'll die. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me, his betrayer. The one person that he thought he was close to, the one person that he trusted in, the one person that he had put in position has now turned to conspire against him. Psalm 55, again, David mentions, we think Ahithophel, for he says, it was not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide myself from. He says, it's not my enemies. It's not the people who, who hate me that I've always known that they didn't like me. He says, it's not them. He said, I can handle that, but it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, and my familiar friend. He says three things there about him. He says, you were my equal. He says, I treated you just like you were my, my brother, my companion, and my familiar friend. We who had sweet fellowship together walked in the house of God in the throng. He says, you're the guy that has turned against me. Now, let me take you back, if I can now, to Psalm 3. Listen to the repetition uh, in these first two verses. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Did you hear the repetition of many? Many are my fo foes. Many are rising up against me. 
Many are saying of my soul. I love that song that the Brooklyn Tab uh, sings, that this literally is their, their opening uh, line in that song. Um, Many are they who rise up against me. There's David fleeing the city of Jerusalem. He is king. His son of all people, his own son now, has turned in rebellion against him. But not just his own son, his close companion, his friend, his equal, the one who was very familiar with him now has betrayed him. Ahithophel in the Old Testament becomes a type of Judas in the Gospels. This is David's trial. This, all that I've shared with you, is verse 1 and verse 2 of Psalm 3. But now this is what I want you to see. What do I do? Have you ever felt like that? I've been betrayed. Somebody has conspired against me. People that I cared about. People that I put in position. People that I loved. uh, People that I put my trust in. People that I put my arm around. People that I worshipped with and stood next to in the house of worship and uh, shared worship with, that very person now has turned and is conspiring to kill me. Conspiring to end, maybe not literally kill you, but conspire, do away with your job. Do away with your position. Do away with your influence. Do away with other people who think well of you. They can't stand that. That's what's happening to David. He's losing everything here. What do you do in a moment like that? Well, verse 3 and verse 4 show you, what do I do in the midst of panic? What he's going to tell you is this. I've shared with you, look for that one single uh, thought. Look for that one central idea. And in that passage... State that idea. God's peace comes in the midst of our panic. That is the psalm right there. Now listen to verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. There's his assurance. My glory and the lifter of my head. Love that verse. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the lifter of my head. In the midst of the panic, in the midst of the betrayal, in the midst of those who turn against me, do you hear him say, many are saying of my soul? He said, not everybody is chasing after me, but now they're all now saying there's no salvation for him. He can't be saved. He can't be redeemed. There's no altar for him, no sacrifice for him, no blood for him, no priest for him, no high priest for him. It's beyond help. He's got to go. been there. I've been there. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head, that in the midst of all this panic, my trust is in you. Listen to what he says. I cried aloud to the Lord. There is his appeal to God. His assurance is, oh Lord, you're a shield about me. You got me out of the city. You got me across the mountains here. You've got us out now into the wilderness. He goes back to where he used to hide from Saul 
Now he goes back to that place. He said, my assurance is you're a shield about me. And here's my appeal. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy heel. Now you come to the third part of this Psalm. By the way, I've not mentioned these two little, these little, there are three in this, in this Psalm, little Hebrew word, Selah. We think it means to lift up. We're not exactly certain what it means. To me, it seems to be saying, look up now and just stop for a minute and think about what's just been said. And so he does that at the end of verse one and two. He does it at the end of verse three and four. Now you come to the third section of this and it's David's triumph. Now listen to what he says right here. He says, I laid down and I slept. Do you remember when we were doing the Psalms of Ascent? Psalm 127 uh, verse two, where it says he gives his beloved sleep. Well, David said, I could lie down now and go to sleep. In the midst of all of this, I could get some rest. You, You gave me that inner peace that Paul talks about in Philippians 4 that that passes all understanding. And I woke up again and the Lord sustained me. That little word sustain means to lean on. It means this is my support. It can be translated refresh. It can be translated revive. He said, I will not be afraid of many. There's that word again. It's fourth time that it's used. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people. Have you ever Have you ever been caught in a situation where somebody turned on you, somebody betrayed you, somebody hurt you, somebody that was a close friend of yours, and they had gone around and told all these things about you, and all of a sudden, you begin to think, everybody knows this. Everybody is saying the same thing about me. Everybody is telling this lie. Everybody is in on this conspiracy. They may not be out personally to get you, but they're all spreading the lie. They're all spreading uh, the falsehood about you. Well, that's what he's saying right here. He says, I will not be afraid of many thousands of people, all regardless of what all they are saying about me. All of them who have set themselves against me. Another Psalm, Psalm 56, verse 3. I remember memorizing this, and what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Psalm 56.3, South Main Street Baptist Church, Vacation Bible School. I was either five or six years of age, and that verse is still stuck in my head. I and David wrote Psalm 56, we believe, and I am, I am certain that that is what he is thinking about right here, that very thing, in what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Look at his conviction now. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. Now, this becomes a little imprecatory right here. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. It's kind of like you take my enemy, who is this lion that is attacking me, and you pull all of his teeth out. You make him a toothless lion. Uh, You break his jaw. He's saying, God, render them powerless. Render them, make them fangless, you know, if there's such a word. Defang them. Take take away their ability, Lord, to harm me. 
Render their lives inoperative. Turn that all back on them, Father. Now, a lot of people have trouble with imprecatory psalms. Uh, I don't. Um, this is a man pouring his heart out to God. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever just sat down and said, God, this is exactly the way I feel? You can do that. You can tell God how you feel. Now, I would tell you, do not act out an imprecatory prayer. You just leave that into the hands of God. Let God, he turns to God. He says, God, you deal with them. You take care of them. And here comes his acknowledgement of this. He says, salvation. By the way, do you know what salvation is in Hebrew? Yahshua. Yeshua. Jesus. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Do you know when David prayed this, he said, arise, O Lord, and save me, O my God. Do you know that God had already put into place in, in the palace, uh, in the palace intrigue, in the, uh, in the conniving plans of these who have turned on David, God had already caused the counsel of Ahithophel to begin to decline. And he caused the counsel of another man there who truly remained the king's friend, who truly was a friend of David, Hushai. God was causing the, the counsel of, a, of Ahithophel to wane, and he was causing the counsel of Hushai to rise. And he comes in the end and he says, Lord, you hold it all in your hands. Never forget this last statement, verse 8. Salvation belongs to the Lord. God is the one who saves. None of this self-generated optimism, none of this... Um, None of this, uh, you know, late night com uh, infomercial positivism, <laughs> none of that, but simply a dependence on God that in the midst of my panic, God brings peace because ultimately God will save me. You remember the story of Henry II? He was the father of Richard the Lionhearted. Henry II was quite a, a great king. He took much land for England. Um, he uh, consolidated a lot of the government. Uh, he, he was uh, a very active king. And uh, when the Archbishop of Canterbury died, he thought, okay, I'm going to appoint uh, Thomas Becket to this position because Becket will help me rein in the church here in England. He will, he'll help me regain a little bit of control back of some things that had really gotten out of control and was over into the hands of the church. And Abekat did not help him. Thomas Abekat really kind of began to pull away from Henry II and um, stood clearly with the Pope and the church at that time. And uh, Henry II got really aggravated with him. In fact, it got real personal. It got very heated until there was a moment when Henry II just out to some of the men that were around him, said, I just wish he were dead. Well, there were four men who took that to heart, and they went that night, and they caught Thomas Becket at the altar of the church there at Canterbury in the cathedral there, and they killed him there, and he died on the steps. They murdered him there on the steps of the altar 
Canterbury. Well, the Pope just lost his mind. He just said, that's it. You know, um, I put an interdiction on the entire nation, on the entire country of England. Uh, and uh, the priest, uh, the priests, the monks, they all went in and they put on their garbs of mourning. The things that they reserved only for Good Friday, they put on. They blew out every candle and every torch in every church in England to say now darkness has descended on the, on the nation of England, on the church of England. Um, they covered the crucifixes with black cloth. Um, they uh, w- withheld, would not do mass, would not hold services. Uh, you could not be married. You could not bury your dead. Um, and it got to the point to where the people were going to stand up against Henry II that there was nothing he could do but to put on sackcloth, pour ashes on himself. He went down to the cathedral and he got on the steps and he kissed the steps where Thomas Becket died. He went to the tomb of Becket and he spent the entire night there. He walked barefoot uh, through the city streets and he went and he rounded up all of... Um, the priests and the monks, and he allowed every leading priest to whip him with five lashes. He let every monk whip him with three lashes until he had suffered over a hundred lashes from the whip to do penance. There are a lot of people in our day who think they can earn the forgiveness of God who think that they need to earn the forgiveness of God. You cannot earn God's forgiveness. Uh, I don't care what you do. You cannot earn God's forgiveness. But now here's the good news. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will not turn away. God bless.